So this morning's reading is from the first book of Samuel, chapter 16, verses 1 to 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king of Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then made Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Amanda. Um, folks, just before we uh, dig into this passage, during, um, during the worship, I just had um, a sense that the Lord um, was moving amongst us and he wanted each of us to lift our eyes to him 
and to know his blessing. And, um, you know, as Kate was saying earlier, perhaps you're at a point where it feels as though you're really struggling hard for something. Or, you know, there's something you've been waiting for for a long time. And you have this sense that, Lord, how long? And, um, but the Lord wants you to lift your eyes to him. And he wants you to know he wants to bless you today. He really wants to bless you. And I know he was saying that not just to encourage me, um, because he wants to bless me as well. But I, he really wants to bless you. So please receive that. And if you don't, don't hear anything else that I say, please walk with that into the week. Because um, I really think that's on the Lord's heart uh, for each of us today. And for all our friends watching online as well. Know the Lord wants to bless you. So let, let's just pray as we go into this passage. Father, we just thank you that David had a heart after you. And Lord, we long to have a similar heart. We long individually, we long together to have a heart that is fully devoted to you. And Lord, I really pray that your spirit would take my words. You'd anoint me to teach. And Lord, anoint each of us to hear and receive your word. And give us joyful obedience as we respond to it. For Jesus' glory. Amen. Well, it's been a rich start to this series, hasn't it? Mark introduced it two weeks ago. Remember, he gave us the context. And he spoke about the fact that um, Saul had been chosen as the first king, but Saul's heart became diseased. And that was the beginning of his demise. And he took things into his own hands when he shouldn't have done. And God said, Do you know what? It's no longer right for Saul to be king. Last week we heard from Charlie Cleverly. If you weren't here, I really encourage you to to watch that online. And Charlie talked about the contemplation of David and about the power of that. And I'm going to come back to that a bit later. And today we're thinking about the fact that God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. And um, I just want to remind us that David was something of a Renaissance man, wasn't he? When you look at his life, he was a formidably gifted musician. And he had the ability to soothe Saul's soul when it was troubled. He was a a fearless warrior. And he gathered all the kind of fearless soldiers in Israel around him. And was a great leader of the army. He was a competitor. We know that. He fought bears and lions. He, he, He refused to concede. But he was also a poet. And he provided for us the greatest prayer book humanity has received in the Psalms. Just wonderful, deep, rich prayers. He was a statesman. He was a wise political leader. And don't we cry out for that in our day. He was a wise political leader. And also, it seems fairly rotten, doesn't it? But he also seems to have a degree of physical attraction about him. Uh, Kind of think of Denzel Washington. 
if, if you're a woman. Think about Denzel Washington. And I'm told that some women think he's very attractive. I, don't, I have no idea why. But David had some of those characteristics. And that, so David was this Renaissance man. And we know, too, that David wasn't perfect. He had clay feet. He messed up, particularly with Bathsheba, but he messed up in other ways. And we're going to hear about that on, um, you know, during our series. But there's something deep within David's inner being that appealed deeply to God. Something deep within his heart. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. And just to remind us, as Amanda read so beautifully, we reach the point where God says to Samuel, don't grieve anymore for Saul. You know, we need to move on. Israel needs to move on. I need to anoint the next king. And so what Samuel is sent off to Bethlehem, and Samuel very wisely says, but, but Lord, how can I do this? Saul is still alive. He's a potent force. This is dangerous. And God says, don't worry about that. You know, you're going to make a sacrifice there. Go in, go in a sense in that guise. And go and see Jesse, because I'm going to anoint one of his sons. And all the elders of Bethlehem gather, and, and we hear they tremble. That shows something of the, the power of how they view, viewed prophetic figures in those days. They trembled. They're reassured that Samuel said, I'm coming in peace. And then Jesse parades his seven sons before the great prophet. And first of all, there's Eliab. And Eliab probably would have looked as though he'd been a, a really commanding CEO. He's tall, sounds though he's articulate, and has lots of the human characteristics we might expect in the next king. But what's God's response? God doesn't look at the outward appearance as man does, but God looks at the heart. If we can have that slide up, please, Will. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God's criteria is different. God's criteria is different. He looks at the heart. And in saying that, God isn't saying that our gifts are unimportant. That would be to deny the doctrine of creation. Our gifts are important. But what's much more important in God's eyes is our character. What's on the inside. And David at this point was not even shortlisted. David was tending the sheep. And in Hebrew, we know the perfect number is seven. And David was number eight. And David, it didn't occur to Jesse that David could be in the frame. And he was looking after sheep on behalf of the family. And it seems within David's heart, and we'll come on to this, that David wasn't troubled by that. There was something in, in his heart that was saying, we can have that slide up please, Will, sorry again. David was kind of saying in his heart, God is a good God. He will make sure I don't miss out. And just at the moment, if you're in a place where you feel you've been overlooked, hold on to that truth. God is a good God. He will make sure you don't miss out 
when you really need to be somewhere. He will make sure you don't miss out. And it seems though God saw something really appealing in David's heart. And what was that? that There'd be lots of qualities we could draw out. I want to highlight four this morning, just fairly briefly. And the first quality I believe God saw in, in David's heart was an uninhibited freedom, a kind of wild abandonment. Think of the number of Psalms in which David just expresses great freedom in praise before the Lord. Psalm 9, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praise of your name, O Most High. There's something about David's heart that is so free in its praise of God. And we remember the occasion when the ark was finally brought into Jerusalem. And David the king wasn't walking behind it as part of a solemn procession. He was dancing with all his might, looking perhaps a bit ridiculous, but he didn't care. An uninhibited freedom. One of the things I love about this time of year is seeing children laughing and kicking leaves. And there's just something very free about them, isn't there? And I I love seeing that. And that's an echo of what God saw in David's heart towards him. This kind of jumping up and down and leaping and kind of declaring how great God is. And there's something about that uninhibited freedom that God delights in in David. And I think when we see it in other people, I don't know about you, it really really stirs me. I mean, perhaps you are a Cherries supporter. You might just be. There are a few Cherries supporters in here, I can see. And Cherries are playing a much better team this coming week. And if unexpectedly, cherries score, very unexpectedly, how are people going to respond? Some people are going to jump up and down, aren't they? And that's, you know, when does God see us doing that in our hearts? When does he see us jumping up and down? Does he see us jumping up and down in our hearts when we gather to worship? Does he see us jumping up and down in our hearts when we meet our loved ones? And we kind of think, I'm linked to that person. Does he see us jumping up and down in our hearts when we feel as though we're doing something of of meaning for him? There's purpose in what we're doing. David had that uninhibited freedom. And that's something that God, I think, really treasured. A second quality that we see in David, and in a sense it's a slight contrast to the first, is deep reflection. There's something in David that was deeply thoughtful. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, it's what Charlie was speaking to us about last week, about deep reflection, about stillness, 
before the Lord. Just stilling ourselves before him. And David had developed that in the fields. He'd begun to understand the rhythms of creation. He developed a conversation with his creator, his shepherd. And he could say things like, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And we need to develop that in our lives, that deep reflection. And allow the roots of that to go deep. Remember in Psalm 1, David says, He or she is like a tree planted by streams of water, whose leaf, which yields its fruit in season. And actually, deep roots take time to go down, don't they? Roots don't go quickly. They take time. And we see that in David's life. Jesus spent 30 years being prepared for his ministry. 30 years. I remember at um, New Wine, some of you will remember this, Kenny Borthwick saying, don't be in a hurry to get to where God wants you to be before he wants you to be there. Deep reflection, deep reflection. And then a third quality, third heart quality we see in David is an undivided focus. David shepherded them with integrity of heart and with skillful hands he led them. And as we were thinking earlier, don't we, isn't that our prayer for our nation at the moment? Without getting too party political, you know, we, we long for that. That undivided focus. But I wonder when God began to see that in David. We read earlier in the same psalm, in verse 70, he chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people Jacob, of Israel his inheritance. Seems that God saw an undivided focus in David quite early on. And he thought, I can use that. I can develop that. And I wonder, what causes you to lose focus in your calling? What distracts you? Is it waiting over a long period of time? Is it the valley of disappointments? Could be disappointments with yourself, disappointments with others, times disappointments with God, and not knowing how to process that. And actually in the book of James, we're given some really helpful advice about what to do in the face of trials, what to do in the face of disappointments. And James encourages us, bizarrely, it sounds very to rejoice, not for the circumstance, but in the circumstance. To request, to ask wisdom. Lord, how do I journey through this disappointment? And then to relax, to relax and trust that God has it 
in hand. God has that disappointment in his hand and he knows what to do with it. Perhaps the Lord saw that undivided focus in David. And David, he knew, could garden his own soul. We had a picture as we were praying before the service of a, a, a lily pad on a pond. And it looked really calm and serene. But underneath, it was kind of enmeshed in weed. And there was a sense that for some people, there's some inner gardening the Lord wants to do. That on the outside, things might look okay. But actually, the Lord wants to deal with those weeds, cut them away. And they might be weeds of envy or jealousy, anger, frustration. And David had to learn to deal with those. And we do too, if we're to have an undivided focus. And a fourth quality, a fourth quality I believe God saw in David's heart was an enduring, a kind of stubborn, tenacious love. You know, David loved others with a love that just wouldn't quit. A love that wouldn't stop. What we would call devotion. Deeply devoted heart. He even expressed that to Saul. Despite Saul's, you know, psychopathic hatred of him. He expressed it towards his son Absalom, who rebelled against him. Absalom's death, he says, oh Absalom, my son, my son. And most especially, he expressed it towards the Lord. That enduring love, saying, I want to be as close to you as possible. The Lord is my shepherd. And I will dwell in his house forever. You know, there's a humble, tenacious determination. I want to be as close to him as I possibly can be. You know, it's not I might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not I hope to. I will. I will be as close as I can be to the Lord. So the Lord looks the heart. And those are some of the qualities I believe he saw in David's heart. He saw an uninhibited freedom. He saw deep reflection, an undivided focus, and this enduring stubborn love. And perhaps this morning, there might be just one of those qualities that you're thinking Father, I especially need that today. I especially need that. Would you grow that in me? Just allow the Spirit to seal that within you. And then in closing, Peter writing to a church being persecuted, to a group of people facing acute persecution, writes this in 1 Peter 3.14. But in your hearts, revere Christ Jesus as Lord. And that's the start for us all. In our hearts, revering Christ Jesus as Lord. May we each grow further in that direction. 
for Jesus' glory. Amen.